Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello friends and welcome to another edition of the Bleed Loss Podcast. This week's episode of the Bleed Loss Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at FOCO. FOCO FOCO.com. For uh, clicking on the brief description on whatever platform you're listening to, it will take you to their website, FOCO's that is. Uh, For being a loyal listener to this podcast, whatever you add to your cart, be it a Hawaiian shirt, some slides, a bobblehead, whatever, if you add it to the cart, that'll uh, add and generate a promo code for you for being a loyal listener to this here podcast, and uh, and you'll save some money. So, again, FOCO.com, huge thanks to them for the support. Uh, Check it out, click on that link, and as always, terms and conditions do apply. Please see FOCO's website for more details. Huge thanks to FOCO.com. Also to our good friends at Bleedlos, Bleedlos.com. They are a fan apparel company, and uh, you know they currently they're taking pre-orders on these really really cool uh, Trevor Bauer shirts. Uh, it's a solid print. Check it out. Go to the uh, the Twitter handle Bleedlos, and uh, and again Bleedlos.com for you to also place those pre-orders. But for being a loyal listener to this year podcast, if you use the promo code Bleedlospod, you will save ten percent on your order. Again, terms and conditions do apply. Please see their website for more details. Huge thanks to Bleedlos.com. And to you, the subscriber, the fan, the reviewer, all that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Without you guys, we definitely couldn't do this and get guests like this week's guest. This week, Juan uh, ran the show uh, as a matter on assignment. We'll we'll circle back on that later. But Felipe Ruiz, who was uh, uh, Tommy Lasorda's executive assistant for many years, joins us this week, gives us some, some uh, super sick insight into Tommy, some stories. And uh, without further ado, let's just get into it. Here is this week's episode with uh, our, our guest, Felipe Ruiz. This is Todd Lights, public address announcer for your Los Angeles Dodgers. And now, it's time for the Bleed Los Podcast with your hosts Alonso and Juan with the baby face gimmick in the sky, Roger. And welcome to the Bleed Los Podcast, uh, where I'm going to be writing solo this week and just solo in terms of my co-host Alonzo is on assignment. So for this week's episode, I will be having the hosting duties all to myself, but the babyface gimmick in the sky, Roger, is with me. Roger, please say hello to everyone. How's everyone doing? Um, pretty excited about this show that we're about to record, so uh, let's get to it. And the show that, uh, that Roger's referring to is we have a very special guest on the show today, and that is Felipe Ruiz. And what I would like to do is basically turn this show into a homage or a celebration of Tommy Lasorda. We, we never really got a chance, uh, babyface, to talk about Tommy, uh, you know, once we started doing this show. And, you know, both, you know, Felipe, uh, we have Felipe on the line with us. Just to give you a little bit of feedback here, Felipe, uh, you know, Ro- Roger and I are a bunch of 80s kids. I don't know how old you are, but when anyone asks, you know, what a baseball manager is to me, it's Tommy Lasorda. That's what the image I have in my mind. So that's what I think of is of Tommy Lasorda. So losing Tommy, 
uh, was a blow. So that's why uh, we want to turn this episode into a celebration uh, of Tommy Lasorda. And there is no better way to celebrate Tommy Lasorda than with someone that I think was probably closer to Tommy than anyone could think of. And that is Felipe Ruiz. Uh, Felipe, I let's get to some of our listeners who don't know what's going on. Let me just briefly uh, and then you correct me if I'm wrong. Let me just briefly lay it out here. You were a home security salesman, correct? When you, when you met Tommy, is, is, am I accurate there? Yes. And thank you for having me on, by the way. Um, yes. Uh, you know, when I first met Tommy, uh, I, I got around Tommy by uh, setting up a security system at his house, which, uh, you know, that alone to me was like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Setting up a security alarm, you know, being getting around a guy like Tommy Lasorda was to me, you know, like you said, for me, that was the manager growing up as a Dodger fan, you know, a guy that grew up watching baseball, that was the guy. Right. And, and to, to get around a guy like that, um, first off, just to even set up the security alarm, to be honest, was like, wow, what am I doing here in his house? And, you know, looking over some of his memorabilia, um, it was just uh, surreal. Right. So, um, you know, uh, when I set up the security alarm, it, it was just uh, myself and and his wife and, and uh, my buddy, his name's Javi, which is the technician. Uh, what we did is is we talked to her about setting up a security alarm camera with the life alert pendant and the cameras and everything, because at that point, Tommy was still going 100 miles an hour where he was traveling everywhere, you know, doing events. He was doing speaking engagements. He was going to every baseball game that he could possibly get to. So, you know, for her, she was she was always at home handling everything at home by herself kind of thing. So, uh, you know, she loved the idea. And when when we set everything up, you know, Tommy wasn't even home at that point. Uh, It happened to be that as we're finishing up, uh, he comes home and now we're showing him how this brand new security alarm system that we had set up at his house works where he's checking out the cameras, his front door. Um, and that, uh, amazed him, you know, to have all these new toys in his home. Uh, and you know, that, that in mind, as we're getting ready to leave, you know, we, we, uh, showing them how it all works. And I say, Hey, Tommy, if there's anything ever that goes wrong with these cameras, you know, I'm a huge Dodger fan. I mean, it'd be an honor. Just call me and I'll, I'll come over and take care of it at any time. Right. And, uh, just kidding as I'm getting ready to leave. And I said, by the way, you know, I, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I go to the Dodger games all the time. If, if you ever need a ride, call me. Right. And it was real kidding. Like never really thought he'd actually ever call, you know, but um, he, what happened from that is about a week later, you know, I'm at work and my phone rings and I, and I had obviously had saved Tommy Lasorda's number and his contact was in there and it pops up. And I thought, Oh my God, like, is there something wrong with the security alarm or the cameras or something already? And, uh, you know, he, I answer and I, uh, he happens to say to me, you know, uh, I, I needed a ride to the baseball game. Right. And this was like, I just met him. Right. And I just gotten the security system set up within that week. I'm thinking he's calling cause something already messed up on it. And now he's asking me to take them to the Dodger game. Right. And that in, in its own was, uh, you know, wow. Like I just gotten to work and, and I said, what am I going to do? And I said, there's no way I could say no to him. And so I went ahead and, and, and I left work actually that day. Right. I, I took him to the game and that was a, a quite an experience because I'm sitting there, you know, this little kid growing up as a Dodger fan. And now here I have 
Tommy Lasorda in, in, in the back of the car, and it, it was just a treat in its own. And I, if that was the one thing I ever did for Tommy, that would have been, you know, uh, uh, just uh, a happy moment of my life that, again, I would never forget. But, you know, it, it was unbelievable to me how humble and how, uh, you know, open and, 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 you know, he was so nice to me, right, to where, you know, being as tough as he was, you, you know, uh, the, the, the persona that sometimes people would see on, on TV, you know, when he's out there yelling on the, to the umpires or whatnot, he was really such a nice person, right? When you got to get around him, he just had such a caring you know, warm heart. If he liked you, he loved you. Right. And if you, he did like you, you knew where you stood with them kind of thing. Right. To where, uh, like I said, getting around him, just that experience, uh, that day, as I said, driving him up there, I thought to myself, uh, wow, what am I doing here? Driving Tommy Lasorda to the game. And I'm asking him questions like about Kirk Gibson's moment in 88, you know, and, and what, what was going on behind the scenes. And, and I'm asking him about Fernando Valenzuela and, you know, all these guys like Mike Piazza and the whole story on how Tommy, you know, uh, was friends with his father. And the whole story was just amazing to me, right. To where I think at that point, as we're driving back after that first game, uh, something that he liked, I guess, I, you know, I couldn't explain it at that point because I just set up the security alarm at his house, you know, handed him my card and said, Hey, if you ever have anything wrong with the security alarm or need a ride to the game, call me. And who would have ever thought, right? So that was pretty unbelievable to start anything, right? That's how our relationship even started. Okay. So it, it was, uh, like I said, an unbelievable experience for me every day that I woke up, it was like living a dream, right? It really was because for me, I was just a young boy that chased that baseball dream as a kid, right? That played little league, that played high school ball, played junior college baseball. And I was left-handed pitcher and first baseman similar to Tommy, right? So for me, uh, you know, just even having baseball conversations with him was like, wow, what, you know, what did I do to deserve this, right? So, uh, you know, that was really neat for me. And, you know, one of the, uh, I guess, neat parts as our relationship kind of grew together is that it was so natural, right? That, uh, I, in my wildest dreams, I never thought that I would get around a guy like this. And, you know, number two, you know, at the stage of his life that he was at, you know, he was now a little bit older and, you know, uh, he was still running, like I said, a hundred miles an hour traveling all over the place and he'd do appearances. And, you know, at the time, I remember I first even got around him. He'd get phone calls and he'd be in the back of the car, just answering his phone calls. And, you know, he'd be so busy, he'd get off of one phone call and yeah, I'll do this event. And now he'd get off the phone call and talk to another buddy. And he was always just so giving to people where if you called them and, he, and you needed them to do something, he was always there. Right. He was that kind of friend to people. And, and, you know, when I got around him, he was so busy that sometimes some things would kind of fall through the gaps, right. Where, where he had, uh, you know, so much on the schedule that sometimes he'd get double booked. So I, as, as I start getting around him, I, I just start helping him out. Right. And, and I, I'd say, Hey, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd help him start doing his, his calendar. Right. And, and from there, you know, uh, he'd, uh, hand me the phone and, you know, here, you talk to my guy and pretty soon, you know, I'm talking to his guys and, and setting up everything on his calendar 
But again, if you remember where it all started, it's just crazy that, that it even, you know, got to that point. Right. Because for me, like I said, uh, getting around him and now I start getting to know the guy, how busy he was, how charismatic he, he was to so many people that, that, uh, I couldn't do enough for him, right? That I, I just said, Tommy, you know, whatever you need. So I'd start helping him do with his calendar. I'd start helping him, you know, uh, answering these phone calls. And pretty soon he just handed me his, his uh, flip phone, you know, because uh, he never had a, a smartphone, never had email, you know. So so I'd start just helping him do whatever needed to get done. And pretty soon these people would either email me or they'd be calling me. And, you know, I'd start helping him. And, as he got a little bit older, you know, you got to understand this is the man that was independent his entire life, didn't need, you know, help. I guess you could say he was very prideful in the fact that he did everything right on his own kind of thing. Right. And he fought for everything that he had. So it was just uh, now that at this stage in his life that he needed a little bit more help. And I was just willing to help him with whatever needed to get done. It wasn't that I had a, a, a title even at one point, you know, it was just, this guy hanging out with, you know, my buddy, as I looked at him, you know, um, and I was just willing to help him do whatever needed to get done, whatever hours needed to get done. And, and, you know, that to me was unbelievable just to, like I said, to get around him. And, and as our relationship grew, you know, there was times that uh, as he was older, we ended up in the hospital together, right. Where there would be times that, you know, I'd say, man, here you have this guy who's so busy all the time, running around all over. And, and at times, you know, he'd be at the hospital and that's a lonely place there, you know. And, yeah, there'd be people sending flowers and that kind of thing and, and calling and checking on him. But another thing is, you know, having somebody even even a just joke around with. And, you know, the one thing about Tommy is he is, is he is he liked to be around his friends and his family and and people that he was familiar with. Right. Um, and, and, and that to me, like I said, uh, as he, as he started getting older and I'd see that he needed more help, I, I ended up staying at the hospital with him 24 seven, you know, for weeks at a time, you know, the first time was three weeks. Right. And, uh, you know, at that point it just happened to go where he gets out of the hospital. Right. And the funny part is I remember this day, I'll never forget it. Cause we, he gets out of the hospital and we're playing the Cubs that day. And his, his doctor, his cardiologist at the time said, Tommy, now I want you going home and getting your rest. Right. And he says, uh, you know, he knew that there was the Dodger game going on. He says, I'm going to the Dodger game. And he says, Tommy, I, I want you to go home and get your, I don't care what you say. I'm going to the Dodger game. Right. And he ends up going to the Dodger game that night. Right. So the fact is that he, he couldn't miss a, a Dodger game, no matter how he felt if he was at the hospital, he'd be fighting to get out of the hospital, to go to the Dodger game or, or make that event that he, that he promised his buddy he was going to go to, you know, that was Tommy. Right. So for me, that was an unbelievable experience to get not only, you know, as a kid, the guy that you see hollering at the umpire and, 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 you know, you, you get, you hear those stories that, that he had back then, which is really cool, but more so to get to know the guy as a person, right. That, that was, you know, uh, uh, just an unbelievable bond that I had with him. You know, uh, I, I looked at him as, more than a, a boss, right? I looked at him as my, my, you know, mentor, uh, you know, like a, he became a, a father to me. Right. And, and, you know, that was the neat part about Tommy Lasorda is he could be whoever you needed him to be. Right. I mean, for so many fans and, 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 and so many different people, 
I they'd walk up to him, and call him Uncle Tani, and you know he had so many godsons, and you know he he just was everywhere, right? And uh, again, just it was an unbelievable experience. I just, as I told you uh, to begin with, it was like living a dream every day. Wow, Philippe, I I, I got to tell you, listening, you can hear it in your voice the affection that you have for him. Being that you are a that you were a season ticket holder for the Dodgers and you've been a Dodger fan, I got to ask you this: since you've had the opportunity to talk baseball with Tommy, you mentioned talking about Fernando and asking him, talking about Gibson. Can you? I, I want to know, like, what made you a Dodger fan, and what is your first Dodger memory that you have? Is there something that stands out for you? You know, as as a young kid, I uh, grew up in Southern California, and uh, my, my family just everyone around me was had been a Dodger fan, right? So I just kind of fell into being a Dodger fan. But for me, where I really fell into loving the Dodgers personally was, you know, I I'm a Hispanic, left-handed pitcher, and Fernando uh, just really, you know, as as he did for a lot of Hispanics, just really drew him right. And, and and you just you couldn't help but just cheer for the guy and want him to do great, right? So uh, you know those moments for me are something that I'll, I'll remember as a kid. And, and and you know another thing is my birthday is October fifteenth, uh, the day that Kirk Gibson hit a home run. You know I was a year old and I hadn't seen a World Series. Obviously I couldn't remember at one year at one years old. But now to be able to have lived that experience, you know, not just as a fan, but you know, being part of the organization, you know, for the six years that I was, it was just an unbelievable, you know, thing to live, right? It was like making it to the big leagues, even though that I, I didn't do it as a player, you know, getting around with Tommy, I got to live a lot of that experience, you know, getting around a lot of the ball players and getting to know a lot of the, you know, his old, old guys that played for him. And, you know, you have, yeah, it, owners of teams and you meet presidents and just so many different people that you never knew who you were going to be having dinner with. Right. Tommy Lasorda, you just, if we went into no matter what city we went to, right. There was an Italian restaurant and a buddy that he had there waiting for him. And you never knew who that buddy was going to be, you know? So that was pretty neat. You know, now that you you mentioned it, uh, so you're Hispanic. What are, are you Mexican or? Yes. Okay. So being that Tommy was known for his Italian feasts, I mean, this was probably before your time because you sound like you were a youngin. But you know, I know Babyface might remember when he used to do the Slim Fast commercials, you know, and he lost all that weight. You know, Tommy was known for having that large appetite. We, this is just something that we do on the show that we ask all our guests, uh, you know, being that you're Mexican, what is your favorite taco? What is your go-to taco? And is there a, a restaurant, I, I mean, a, a taco place that you love to go to? I'll tell you that nobody could beat my mom's tacos, right? <laughs> I mean, which, which ones, what, what are those? Are they carne asada or are they... Uh, you know, she makes the carne asada, the al pastor with the with the frijoles and the homemade salsa. And, you know, it's just the best tacos, obviously. When I want Mexican food, I'm going to be honest, I go to my mom's house. Uh, but, <laughs> you, you know, I, 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 hanging around Tommy, you know, the funny part is 
you'd eat uh, a lot of Italian food, right? right. And, you know, being, being when I got around them right, in my first year, you, you get into that lifestyle where, you know, he would, you know, he'd get to the ballpark and, you know, he'd, he'd let's say, do his fan mail and then we'd have lunch there. And, uh, you know, he'd hang out there all day long, right, where we'd have lunch there and we'd have dinner there and then we'd get done with the game and one of his friends would invite him out to dinner and you're eating late and you're, you're eating well and happened to be in my first year, I must've gained 30 pounds hanging around. Him, right. <laughs> I, oh my goodness. Right. You know, and, it, and it's funny. It reminds me of a story that he told me uh, when he took over as the manager of the Dodgers, he asked uh, Pee Wee Reese if he wanted to be one of his uh, coaches. Right. Mm-hmm. And he says, Tommy, he says, I can't do that. If I did that, I'd put on about 30 pounds, <laughs> you know? So it, it, it's just funny that, you know, everyone knew that he had a great appetite. And again, uh, people loved having him at the restaurant because everywhere he went, he held court, right? He'd tell the stories and, you know, and, and he'd get everybody just at the edge of their seat, just li- waiting for the next story or the next joke. And, you know, he could do that all night long. And, you know, there's, I can't even count how many times we, we, we closed out a restaurant and, you know, the, the, the owner doesn't care. He's just sitting there waiting and listening to more stories. And, you know, we sometimes leave there three, four o'clock in the morning and head back to our hotel, no, no matter what city we're in. And, you know, it was, it was unbelievable to, to, to see the, the speed that he was running at even to 93 years old, you know, um, one of my first experiences, you know, as I'm, as I'm kind of talking to you, I'm coming up with some of these stories that, I remember uh, one of my first experiences when I first start driving for him, right? I picked him up for breakfast one day and it must've been about seven, seven thirty in the morning, right? Pick him up. And, you know, now we head down and have uh, have breakfast. Right. Um, and we happen to go out to like the Valley and had breakfast. And now he wants to go to Dodger stadium. So we go to the Dodger stadium and he goes through his fan mail. And, and now, uh, you know, again, now we have lunch there he now wants to go see his buddy uh, in Manhattan beach, real good friend of his Warren Lichtenstein. So we go see Warren and, you know, spend a few hours there. Well, now he gets a phone call. Uh, his buddy, Chris Legio wanted him to come to Ontario. Right. So we've already had two lunches and a breakfast. Okay. Um, and, and now he wants him to come out to the country club out there, Red Hill country club. So now I have to drive him from Manhattan beach all the way over to Ontario. Okay. And this is right around traffic hour. Okay. But he didn't care. You know, he was going to take a nap. So we, we drove out there and, you know, we, we hang out at the country club. And, and, and uh, after that, we go out to another dinner. OK, so we have dinner um, after the dinner. You know, they're hanging out. They, they wanted to go back to his, his buddy's house. And so we did. And by the time we left there, it must it was two thirty in the morning. Right. So we're, we're driving back. And there was only two stations that were ever on in the car. And it was either the Dodger station AM 570, or it was Frank Sinatra, the AM uh, or the XM channel 71. Right. So uh, we're listening to Sinatra this night. And as I'm driving, he says, Hey, turn it down. Right. I said, what's going on, Tommy? He says, let me ask you something. I said, what's up? And he says, are you tired? I said, "Uh, yeah, I'm a little tired. I mean, we had a busy day and he says, Oh man, at your age, I never got tired. You know, I can't even believe what are you tired of sitting there? Well, you know, steering the car, you know, and it was just so funny because, you know, we had been out and about all day long doing 
lunches and dinners and you know the whole nine and and at 2 30 in the morning he was like are you tired you know because he just to him as he said you know if you sleep eight hours a day you sleep a third of your life away right i'll sleep when i die that's what he would constantly say right so it, it was just unbelievable to see you know the speed that he was running at it was unbelievable and the appetite that he had was unbelievable <laughs> As I said many times, you know, when Tommy's hollering or he's eating, everything's okay. When he's not <laughs> hollering and he's not eating is when we got a problem. <laughs> so uh, take me back, Philippe. I, I got to know this. Okay, so you're in there. You're, you're setting up the security system. Where do you get the balls to go to Lasorda and say, hey, where, whatever you need, give me a call? I mean, did you honestly think he would take you up on it? Or did you just think, hey, man, when am I ever going to be in this situation again? So I got to shoot my shot. You know something? It wasn't even something that I think I thought out. I think it was just something that in the moment just kind of happened, right? Uh -huh. As I'm getting ready to leave, it was just like, just hey, you know, if something ever happens with these cameras or the security alarm or whatever, you know, I would do that for, for any of my customers, right? But here I was for Tommy Lasorda. Like, I, I said, hey, man, just so that you know, here's my number, right? Not the company number, but my number if you ever need anything, right? And, and, and again, never did I think he'd, he'd actually call when I told him, hey, if you ever need a ride to a, a Dodger game, right? I mean, that's crazy. When it, when when you know, I don't know if you recently uh, read the article, Bill Plaschke that wrote up in the LA Times, but as I told him, and, the, and pretty much the only reason I ever told him this story was, as I as I talked to people after, you know, shortly after Tommy passed, and they asked, hey, you know, how did you get around Tommy? And I and I would tell them the story, and they would say, oh my God, that's a that's a that's an unbelievable crazy story. And I'm like, yes, you know, it really is. And and the more that I kept thinking about it, it was like. You know, it really was so unbelievable for for uh, uh, myself, you know, being a little kid that grew up a Dodger fan and, you know, played baseball my whole life and chased the baseball dream. And, you know, I knew Tommy Lasorda my whole life. Right. But I mean, the day that he retired in, in 97, right, or 96, it, it, I remember it, it was like a, a you know, kind of like a, a, a day that is very similar to the day that unfortunately that Kobe passed. Right. It's just you'll never forget that moment in that day and, and i remember reading it and hearing it on the television you know as a kid like oh my god tommy lasorda is no longer gonna manage the dodgers and i thought whoa like that's crazy right it didn't it just i couldn't imagine anybody else managing the dodgers but tommy lasorda right so let, let me ask yeah, you like there i mean since since you were pretty close with him i don't know if you ever had a chance to ask him this but this is a question i always had Speaking of that day when he retired, I always felt like they forced him out. Did you ever get a chance to talk to Tommy about that? I, it never felt like that was Tommy's decision to stop managing. You know, I, I think it was more of a of a medical situation. And, you know, I don't I wasn't around in that time. I can't say exactly what it was. But it's funny to hear that after if you watch the Lasorda Chronicles on there, his wife talks about. That, you know, obviously she wanted him around for a long time, not just to manage the Dodgers. She wanted him around for a long time. And and I guess the doctor at the time said, oh, you know, I don't think it's a good idea for Tommy to be traveling as much and, you know, be, be doing everything, you know, because he was a, a beat guy where, he, you know, 
you know how he managed. And if, if he couldn't, how Tommy put it when I heard him explain it is that he, he didn't feel like he would be able to be the same guy, you know, not knowing if his heart was going to hold up or not. Right. So obviously they, you know, it was a concern obviously for his health. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say that the Dodgers forced him out. I think it was more of a, of a medical, you know, situation that they felt, Hey, you know, I mean, we got to make sure that, that Tommy would, would kill himself, to, you know, out there just trying to win a baseball game, you know? So they had to, they had to, I think, pump the brakes and tell him that, you know, they were going to make him a part of the organization and became a, a interim general manager, which to him was, you know, unbelievable to, to continue to be a part of the Dodgers. And, you know, he took so much pride being a Dodger and, and, and I, I, everywhere that he went, it was just, he couldn't preach enough of how much he loved the Dodgers and the pride that he had for the Dodgers. You know, it, it, it's funny that, you know, as I told you, I met him doing security lines, right? Well, you know, over a six month period, I, I'm just kind of helping him drive from, and I'm getting calls from time to time. Right. And, uh, now, you know, I'm going to fast forward to about Christmas time in 2015. Right. And I'm still, working for the security alarm company, but I'm missing a lot of work now working for Tommy. Right. And, and that being said, it happens to be that, uh, on, I told him for the first time, cause I, I've never been able to say, no, Tommy, I, I got to go to work and I can't drive. I'd always say, yeah, I'll take you no matter what. Right. This Saturday was a company function. I said, Tommy, uh, you know, this Saturday, I might not be able to drive you. Um, you know, uh, have a company function. He said, no problem. Okay. So now this Saturday, um, you know, around Christmas time, he calls and he's, uh, I, I'm already dressed, getting ready to go to my Christmas function. And he says he needs a ride to his buddy's Christmas party. Uh, and I said, okay, you know, I couldn't tell him no. So I, I did. So I drove him to, to the party and, you know, we uh, hang out there a while and now we're heading back. And I said, Hey, Tommy, uh, do you remember that party that I have to go to for my company? I said, uh, you know, if I drive you all the way home and then try to come back, I said, I may not make it. I said, would you mind coming with me? And he says, oh, absolutely, right? So he, he shows up to my company function. You know, now Tommy Lasorda is my plus one. So you could imagine he stole the show, right? <laughs> he gets there and, you know, he's taking pictures with everybody and he's signing autographs. And, you know, before you know it, he gets on the microphone and he starts talking to, to, to everybody at my company, right? And he says, you know, I've worked for the Dodgers for almost 70 years and I loved every moment of it. And, you know, and he went on to, to deliver this wonderful message that he tells the, these employees that, Hey, you know, and you got to love the company that you work for and the paycheck that you earn every day. And just deliver this unbelievable message, right. To where my boss at the time, he's shaking in his boots, just what the heck just happened. Right. I just was throwing this company function and now have Tommy Lasorda giving everybody a motivational speech. Right. And, and, you know, from that point on the funny part, you know, and, it was an important part in, in, uh, in the uh, chain of events of how everything worked out with Tommy, because from that point, my boss says to Tommy, Hey, Tommy, well, anytime you need Felipe, you got him. Right. So fast forward a little bit. And he says, Hey, I need somebody to go to spring training with me. Right. And this is spring training 2016. Okay. And I said, uh, well, uh, how long, right. He says about six or seven weeks. I said, Oh man. Um, yeah, that sounds great. But, you know, unfortunately, like at this point, I'm just hanging with Tommy Lasorda, right? I, I'm not an employee. I'm not getting paid. I'm just driving him whenever he called me, right? So 
So uh, I said, well, you know, it's kind of tough to to be able to just leave. Be, I, I have a family that, you know, I can't just leave and not provide and, you know, that kind of thing. So he says, oh, no problem. Well, let's go talk to the doctors, right? And that opened up that whole conversation of, you know, he introduced me to the, to the, uh, you know, VP of the Dodgers. And he says, you know, this is Felipe. I want you guys to hire him. You know, it opened up that whole conversation, which, you know, the Dodgers just, they were great, you know, to work for, you know, for me being a, a kid, never did I think that I'd actually be able to work. You know, one thing would have been to, to, to uh, work for uh, a major league team. But another thing is to work for the team that you grew up cheering for, right? To where, you know, that was an unbelievable thing for me. So, so let me get this straight. How you were doing this for six months. How did you pull that off? How did you, how were you able to get away from your job to go ahead and spend time with, with Tommy? I mean, was your job starting to give you grief about it? Did they ever say to you, Hey man, you got to make a choice. You know, I, I mean, as I think back, it was just, it was crazy how I juggled it all. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I, I couldn't tell him no. Right. I just felt like if he, if, if he's calling me, he could call anybody in the world, but here he's calling me for a reason. Like I can't tell him no. Right. So I just, I would figure out a way to make it work. Right. And, and I'll never forget the very first time that I told my boss that I actually, you know, cause obviously, as you said, when you're missing work a little bit now and, and, and you were doing you know, alarm sales, your, your, your numbers are down a little bit. Right. Right. So, so the first time I told him, I, uh, I, you know, I, he said, what's going on? I said, you know, I, I left work early. I, I gave Tommy Lasorda a ride to the game. He said, get out of here, man. You know, he, he was, I used a little bit more explicit language. Right. But, uh, he says, what you're, you're out of your mind. You're crazy. No, no, you did not. Right. I said, yes, I did. Right. And you know, the funny part is that once I, you know, he got to meet him and everything like that. He was like, Oh my God, like that was crazy. Right. So as, as I tell you, a lot of these things and how it happened and, and how Tommy took a chance on a, on a guy like me, you know, I, 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 I couldn't do enough for him. Right. It was just, wow. Right. So like I said, Tommy was just a, a special person, you know, to me, as I, as I got to get to know the person, not just the, the guy you see on television, right? He was such a better person. And, and, and one of the big things that I think I always loved seeing with him is he could talk to anybody, right? Whether it was a little kid, you know, your grandpa, your aunt, your uncle, it, it didn't matter. Right. But especially with kids, he was so great with them because he took the time for, for kids. Right. Cause he knew, you know, when he was a kid, what it was like to, to he never forgot where he came from. Number one, he, you know, never forgot, you know, how, he was a proud Italian, but, you know, even being the little kid and what it felt like getting around a big leaguer, right. And, and, you know, he would always preach to his, to his players, a story that he, that he said as a kid, uh, that, you know, when he was a young kid as a, I think he was said he was about 14 years old. Uh, he was, he was at that point, um, going to a Catholic school and they had a, a thing where if you were the cross guard for the entire year, you, they'd take you to a baseball game at the end of the year. Right. So in those days, you know, he grew up in Philadelphia and he says he goes to his first game. Um, and there was a guy there, you know, cause that was selling programs. So he bought a program and he's going around and getting signatures from guys. And, and now uh, I guess he, he, uh, there was a guy that kind of shoot him away and like, Oh, he was, he had a bad game or whatnot after the game. He, he didn't want to sign. And, 
and he happened to see that the guy's name was Buster Maynard, right? So uh, he never forgot that name, okay? And years later, uh, as Tommy now was in the minor leagues, right, working his way uh, as a pitcher, he says one day in the minor leagues, he hears over the loudspeaker, now batting for, uh, forget the team that we, that was playing back then, but, uh, you know, it was Buster Maynard up at the plate. And, and what happened is uh, Tommy says he throws at the guy, okay, and, you know, benches clear and everything like that. And after the game, the guy came looking for Tommy and he says, hey, you know, why did you throw at me, right? And he says, uh, you know, and he went on to tell him the story when he was a kid, he wouldn't sign his program. The guy couldn't believe it, right? <laughs> but Tommy would tell his players the stories. Hey, you better sign that ball for that kid because one day he might put you on your butt. <laughs> you know so wow. so, so okay but, um, so uh, let me let me just recap here Philippe, because you're you know eventually you got hired by the dodgers you were what tommy's executive assistant correct is that the the title you were given by the dodgers that's correct okay so your job entailed you know driving him around uh you know to any public appearances. Plus you would also sit near him at, at near the dugout at, at Dodger games at Dodger stadium. Right. That's correct. You know, uh, as a relationship kind of grew more and more, uh, anytime it wasn't around, he's like, where's Flint? You know, it was, it was like, uh, he, he wanted me around, you know, and, 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 you know, for me, I wasn't complaining. I loved being there with him and, you know, hearing what he had to say, what was going on during the game. I mean, that was unbelievable, right. To be able to sit there and have Tommy break down the game and tell you what he was thinking. And, you know, that was just a, a once in a lifetime kind of thing where, wow, what am I doing here? Somebody pinched me. Right. Tell, tell so, me the truth because our producer is one is a hothead. Like if the Dodgers start losing, he loses his mind. Was Tommy the same way? You know, he, he did not like to see him lose, I'll tell you, right? <laughs> he, he did not like to see him lose, okay? I mean, any time that they were in a losing streak, I mean, he'd, he'd go, I remember he'd say to Dave, Dave, you know, we got to we gotta get on these guys or something. And you, Dave, say, hey, you know, these guys are playing hard, but his, he's like, but we're not winning, right? <laughs> and, and so, wait, wait was, would, he, would he say this to Dave Roberts during the game? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. You okay. know, conversation. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, but not during the game. He he, he respected and, and, and he thought the world of Dave Roberts. He, you know, he loved Dave Roberts and, you know, he, he let him manage just because he knew when he managed, he didn't like people stepping on his toes and telling him what to do either. Got it. So let me ask you this. What was it about you that Tommy seemed to trust you? Because everything you're telling me, I mean, you were a total stranger that came into his home and it seems like tommy took to you very quickly what what is it about what did tommy see in you felipe yeah i always wonder right but i think it was just my willingness and 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 for me the love that i had for him right because i didn't have anything more than that to offer, you know, and I, and I heard a quote recently about that Vince Scully had said, uh, you know, that if you, if you give love, you get it back. And if you, uh, I'm sorry, it goes, I'm, I'm spacing out on exactly what it said, but, uh, it said, uh, 
so I, I mean, maybe this might help you. Were you with him when the Dodgers won the World Series last year? Yes, yes. That uh, you know that that day was. So the whole month, if you remember, the Dodgers were in a bubble, right? And, and at that point, you know, he was going to go to the beginning of the uh, series where we were going to go into the bubble. Um, and that, that was, I believe for about four weeks, but uh, he was already kind of, you know, having some health issues. So we'd talk to his doctor and his doctor felt, Hey, maybe we should wait off a little bit and, you know, we'll see how things look as we get closer. And, you know, every day we'd make a phone call and I'd, I'd do a FaceTime call with his doctor and he'd say, Oh, Tommy, not yet, not yet. Right. Well, finally, you know, once we uh, got to where we were going to play game six, right, he said, I'm not missing this game. I don't care what the doctor says, right? So we uh, did a FaceTime call, and the doctor didn't have any choice but to say, all right, Tommy, let's go, right? So we go, and we get to, uh, you know, to Texas, and I'm trying to get him to get his rest, but he was just ready to go ahead and, and have a hoorah, right? Because once we got to the stadium, you know, he went ahead and, and he comes alive, right? Being around the fans and being around his friends. And he was telling the stories and having a great time. Well, we win the world series. And, you know, if you remember it during that time, we couldn't do anything. Everything was shut down because of COVID. So we were getting him back to the hotel and he says, what are we doing? You know, we just won the world series. Why are we going to, uh, back to the hotel? You know, there's nothing open. He, he, he wasn't buying it right to where he made us, uh, go back out uh, to the Lowe's Hotel near the, uh, Arlington Stadium, and we we got there before last call, right? So they kept that bar open. Oh man, we we didn't leave there till about four thirty in the morning, right? And the funny part was that when we left there, he had remembered that one of his buddies' uh, sons, uh, Danny Brenner, had called us and told us that he had a couple of cheeseburgers for us, right? <laughs> so now at 4 o'clock in the morning, he's having me call Danny to get these cheeseburgers. So, you know, we, we call him. We're waiting for him down at the hotel lobby, and he comes out half asleep and hands us this bag, but there was no cheeseburgers in there, right? Just fries. So he made us go get him some cheeseburgers before we get back to the hotel. Finally, by the time we get back to the hotel, it's like – it's six o'clock in the morning. Right. And we got to catch a nine o'clock flight. So, uh, you know, he really <laughs> went out and didn't get cheated that night. I'll tell you. Where did he, where did he get this energy? I mean, this is a guy in his early nineties and he's partying all night. And it seemed from what you're telling me, this wasn't just a one-time thing. I, I mean, where did this guy get all this energy from? You know, I think just being in that baseball world of things, when you when you think about it, you know, these guys, they they get to the stadium so early, right? And they, they go put in a full day of work. And then when they get done with the game, now they go out to dinner, right? And, you know, as he said so many times, especially as the manager, he'd really wear that, that win or that loss, you know, where if he lost, he was out and about thinking about how he could, what he could have done better to get the win, right? So uh, he would say, you know, there was many times that he'd be out, out there three, four o'clock in the morning, you know, just uh, trying to figure out what, he, what he's going to do to get the team to win the next day. Right. Wow. So so let me ask you this. I, I, going back to the previous World Series, the ones they didn't win, especially the 2017 against the, the Astros, as Todd Lights calls him. 
what did Tommy think about that whole situation with the Astros? You know, uh, it was very unfortunate, obviously. Um, you know, I, I, I don't really want to get into that too much, but he just, he didn't think it was right, obviously to cheat the game and, and everything like that. Were you, were you there with him when he, uh, after game six of the 2017 world series, when he famously told Dave Roberts, they haven't done anything yet. Yeah. Well, you know, if you watch that video again, uh, right before uh, he went, Dave Roberts walks into that press conference it was me that called Dave Roberts over because Tommy saw him walk into the press. <laughs> he says, get Dave. Right. So I said, Skipper, I said, it's Skipper. Right. And he, uh-huh. and he turns around, Tommy wanted to say hi. Right. And I didn't know what he was going to say, but it was <laughs> Tommy just delivered the message. And he said, well, uh, you haven't won anything until you win tomorrow. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so how did, you know, being that, I mean, you were basically known as Tommy's right-hand man, right? I mean, how did players react to you seeing you walk around with Tommy? So, you know, I think once I got around uh, to where they saw me quite frequent, it, they were, they were just, I was one of the guys there, right? And, and so many of these guys, it was really cool that, you know, I met some of these guys when they were in the minor leagues, like Cody Bellinger, Right. Uh-huh. I, I'll never forget, uh, you know, when Tommy or Cody was was in Tulsa. Right. And and Tommy and I would go on the on the scouting trip to where we uh, went to Tulsa. And, and what he'd like to do is he'd take these minor league guys out to dinner and and he'd, and he'd buy him dinner and he'd tell them, you know, how to conduct themselves and what it is to wear that Dodger uniform. So, uh, you know, guys like Cody Bellinger, uh, you know, I met many times before he ever made it to the big leagues. Right. Um, and, and, you know, once they make it to the big leagues, it, it was like, oh, hey, you're, you know, Felipe, the guy always with Tommy. And, you know, I was always, you know, because I was around Tommy, I was always received really well. And, and you know, it was unbelievable to get around some of the guys that, you know, as I told you, being a kid, I couldn't have dreamed of getting around some of these guys, you know, and, and I was able to to not only get around these guys, but, you know, become friends with some of these guys and that was pretty cool. You know, you were, do you remember seeing any other Dodgers, young Dodgers who are now in the show? Um, yeah. You know, Matt Beatty was another guy in the minor leagues at the time. Um, let's see. Uh, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias. Um, let's see, man, there's, there's a lot of guys. Uh, Willie Calhoun, who's now playing for the Texas Rangers. Um, you know, Kyle Farmer, right? His story is actually kind of cool. Uh, I'll tell you, Sabine with Tommy in spring training, um, he liked to go around and hang out at the minor league fields a lot. But this was Kyle Farmer's, I think, first uh, big league camp in 16. And, and Tommy pulls up to him on the cart and he says, Farmer, he says, you're going to be a big leaguer one day. He says, oh, thanks, Tommy. And he says, it might not be for the Dodgers, but you're going to be a big leaguer one day, you know? Because uh, the Dodgers have have a lot of depth right now or whatnot. And he says, he says, Tommy, I want to be a Dodger, right? And he says, all right, you know, that's great. And they left the conversation. And if you fast forward to, to uh, Kyle Farmer's debut, right, and, and he hits the walk-off against the Giants, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, for me to, to have known his, his story uh, before he even got to the big leagues, and, and that moment, what it meant for him was like, wow it was almost like living it with him you know like cheering for your buddy like oh yeah you know so that was pretty cool 
But there were so many of these moments, you know, where I remember when Jock Peterson was a, a rookie, right? And and we took him out to dinner many times. And again, Tommy was always in his corner and and would tell him, you know, what it, what he had to do and and, and you know, cut down on the swing so you're not striking out so much. And so many of these things that you know, it was it was really cool to to, to be able to be with Tommy because a lot of these big league guys they know what they're doing, right? Where they don't. They, they sometimes take an advice from a guy on how to fix their swing. They're, they're not going to listen to just anybody, but because it was coming from Tommy Lasorda and the resume that he had, these guys were always open, you know, to what he had to say. Felipe Ruiz, uh, Tommy Lasorda's uh, former executive assistant is joining us on the show. Uh, my producer, Roger here has a question for you, Felipe. Roger, go ahead. Hey, Felipe. So obviously, you know, we, we, as Dodger fans, you know, we all heard, you know, no, no World Series title since 88, you know, the 30 plus years. And, you know, Tommy being there finally to, to win it, you know, as all those fans, finally, we, we felt that relief. Finally, we won it all. Like, take, take us into that final out, like, when the Dodgers finally won it. Like, what was Tommy's reaction? Like, did you see a, a sense of relief? I mean, how, what did he feel? Like, was he, I mean, I'm sure he was frustrated as well. Like, every year that they didn't win and they didn't win and like, finally they won it like what what was Tommy's reaction to that no doubt I mean that was an unbelievable moment right that he'd been holding on to for as he said many many times I before the big Dodger in the sky calls me up I want to see the Dodgers win the World Series right so as I told you it was a lot of work to get him to the World Series and and to finally get that win and 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 see you know that we had won the World Series and it was it was just an unbelievable moment right he felt you know that that we finally did it for the fans. And that's what he always preaches that we needed to go in a world series for the fans. And, and he was very happy, you know, the, as I told you that night, he couldn't stop celebrating, right? He was, he was just ready to party and enjoy that night because we had won one in 30 something years, which, which was crazy to him. You know, he felt that the Dodgers should win a world series every year. <laughs> You know, listening to you, I, I, I can't help but think that, and maybe you were like this beforehand, but it seems like a lot of Tommy has rubbed off on you. I, I mean, listening to you talk, it, it almost sounds like, you, you know, we have Tommy here. Now, were you around him when he's telling those inspirational stories? Like, were you able to be there in, when he was addressing the teams in spring training, trying to inspire them? Absolutely. You know, so those are some of the great things that I was able to experience, you know, uh, getting around Tommy, you, you, I'd hear all his speeches and all these speeches that he'd tell, you know, I'd heard so many times that it was like, as you said, I, I, I've heard these stories so many times that they're drilled into me, right? Even the way that I drive now, you know, I could hear him in the back seat where he was always sitting right, right behind me. And, and you know, you just get, get in the left lane, you know, and here I'd go, right? And even now, the way that I drive, he's just drilled in there so much that, that uh, yeah, you know, it's just, uh, like, I, like I said, uh, he rubbed off on me in so many different ways that I, I can't, I can't, as I'm sitting here trying to think of every story, it's just, it's so unbelievable. Uh, well, I, I mean, 
I, I, you know, when I first saw your story I, on the bill, uh, for those of you who are of our listeners, if you aren't aware of it, Bill Plaschke wrote a very, very, very interesting profile on Felipe, and he, he's covered a lot of what was in that story. But it was great to be able to have you on to actually hear your voice. And I, even though you're telling me this, I still can't believe that you got to do this. I mean, do you feel like you won the lottery? Oh, no doubt. Right. Every day that I woke up, I felt like I said, I, I was living a dream. And, you know, uh, for me, it was really, even after the fact, as I, again, kept telling the story, it, I felt like uh, it was just God's plan where, you know, everything that I had done prior to even working for Tommy was kind of like some of the things that I felt like I, I, I needed to do and take place in my life for that moment to happen, right? There, it was just too many things that had to happen for it to happen. And, and it did, right? When, when I thought about all that, I said, oh my God, like that was God's plan. It's kind of crazy, right? So that was, that was pretty uh, surreal, right? It's, it's just an unbelievable thing to, to sit there and think about that. Why me, right? Why did I get so lucky, you know? Well, yeah, but sometimes, you know, we make our own fortune, man. And I still go back to you having the guts to actually go ahead, because I got to tell you, if that was me, I would probably be cowering in fear. Not only that I was in Tommy Lasorda's house, like, I, I don't know if I'd be able to do what you did. But I think it speaks volumes to the type of person that you are, that you were willing to do that. So my last question to you is even if the Dodgers weren't, wouldn't have hired you as his executive assistant, how long do you think you would have kept doing this for Tommy? Forever. I mean, I felt like I said uh, that I was just hanging out with my buddy. I didn't ever really felt like I was working, you know, and one of the things he always preaches, he said that, uh, you know, when you love what you do, you've never worked a day in your life. Right. For me, I, I never felt like I was working. Right. It never felt like when I got up to get ready, like, oh, my God, I have to go work for Tommy, right? Or I have to go to the doctor. Like it, it was n never that feeling, right? So to me, it was just every day I'd wake up and I'd go hang out with my buddy, right? And we never w knew what we were getting into, right? We could be traveling. We could be at a baseball game. We could be at a Laker game. You never knew what you were getting into, but you just had to be ready, right? And for anything, right? I mean, there was times that uh, we'd be traveling or I'm sorry, driving in the car and he'd get a phone call and that his buddy wanted him, you know, to come out to Tennessee because one, one of his other friends was sick, right? Where he says, all right, let's go. You know, I said, uh, what, what, you know, he wanted me to set up the plane. I said, for when? He says, today. What do you mean today? So he was just, okay. So we literally had to get home, pack a bag, and, and get on a plane to Nashville, right? And this was just unplanned in the middle of the day to where you never knew what you were getting into. <laughs> So last one from me before we end the, the, the show, Felipe. After looking back on this entire experience with him, what's the one thing that you can take away from all of this? The one thing that I could take away from this is, you know, all the relationships and, and, and friendships that, that, I, that I've now established from Tommy and, and being around Tommy, it, it, he's still making an impact in my life even today, right? And, and it's just, like I said, to me, I, 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 even though he's not here to me, a lot of his wisdom and a lot of his lessons and everything that he, he preached, you know, 
uh, is so instilled into me that I'm a lot of those ways now, right. To where, you know, getting around, uh, you know, now his wife and anytime that, uh, you know, something happens, I got a story just like Tommy, right. And, and he'd always go ahead and, and shoot off a story about, you know, depending on the occasion, he'd always have a story for no matter what the occasion was. Right. Um, and, and that being said, you know, I've heard these stories so many times that I, I just, I felt so lucky to, to be able to hear them that now I try to pass them on. Right. And I try to tell these stories as many times as I can, because, you know, again, one, one day that I'm not here, I want these same stories and these same lessons to keep being passed on because a lot of what he stood for, like, like we talked about the respect and, and the morals and, you know, uh, the, the ultimate Patriot, how much love he had for, for being an American and being Italian. And, you know, it, it just speaks so much of, of, of who he was and he never forgot where he came from. Right. So, you know, one of the things that always amazed me with him is, is he lived in the same house in Fullerton his entire life. Right. As a matter of fact, it said one year the L.A. Times printed up an article of celebrities and the net worth of their homes. And there was guys on there with 10 million and 15, 20 million. And his is at the very bottom. Forty one thousand is what he paid for his house. And he lived in that house, you know, even to the day that he died. So, I mean, it didn't he never changed money, didn't change him. He was the same guy no matter what. Right. So that was pretty. That's as he said many times, hey, you just be loyal to me and, 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 and respectful. And, and he says, you know, I'll, I'll, life will be great for you. Right. And and he always, you know, took care of me. And, you know, everywhere we went, if it was a dinner, he'd always make sure that I had a spot at the at the dinner table with him. And, you know, it was it was just really neat, like I said, to get around him and, and get to know the, the person. OK, well. Felipe Ruiz, Tommy Lasorda's former executive assistant, joined us on the show today. Felipe, thank you so much for taking the time and for sharing all those stories. Uh, we always wanted to do a tribute episode to Tommy. Uh, you know, for any Dodger fan who grew up, you know, in the '80s to the late '70s, early '90s, I think Tommy Lasorda will. Tommy Lasorda and Vince Scully will probably be, you know, the greatest Dodger influences aside from players. And uh, we just can't thank you enough for coming on the show and, and for joining us. It was a real pleasure to, to speak with you. Well, thank you for having me. And it was a great time talking with you. All right. Thank you, Felipe. Felipe Ruiz, everyone. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.